Welcome to another episode of the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. It's your host, it's your co-pilot, it's your friend, it's your buddy, it's the guy at the end of the bar. It's Andrew Zimmel hanging out with you. And I'll tell you what, I fully anticipated this podcast to begin on a somber note. I thought for sure the way the College Football Playoff Committee has voted in the past how the College Football Playoff Committee has voted in the present, that we would be having a very interesting, very spirited conversation tonight. But in fact, we are not, and uh, we can talk about all of the playoff implications later. But let's get into it now. So we have a lot to talk about, including why I think that the Heisman Ceremony might have a twist. All right. But first, we got to start with your final four. Unless you live under a rock, here is your final four teams. These are your playoff teams in the college football playoffs. Number one seed, University of Georgia. Kind of saw this one coming. Georgia rolled through everybody, the defending national champions. They made it back to the playoffs as a one seed. LSU, I was disappointed. I thought that they would have put up a better fight than they did. Number two, after a big win against Ohio State earlier this season, Michigan gets in, even though Michigan struggled with Purdue. Your number three seed, unmoving, unwavering, unchanging, it's TCU. Even after a 31-28 loss to Kansas State in the Big 12, they are one of the two teams in the playoffs that is not a conference champion. We'll talk about the conference championship in a moment. And number four, Ohio State. So one plays four, two plays three, TCU will match up against Michigan in their first appearance in the college football playoffs. We'll talk about the Michigan game at a later date. We're putting that one. We're saving that one. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun game. A lot of matchup breakdowns. I talked to our guy, Peter Mundo, earlier uh, this past week before the Big 12 championship, saying that not only did I think TCU was going to win it, but I thought that they would match up good against Michigan. And... Uh, We'll get into that a little bit later, a little bit more later, because I want to talk about the Big 12 championship game, and I want to talk about the Heisman ceremony. That's what this podcast will be all about. We'll talk about Michigan at a later date, circle it on the calendar for next week. All right. I thought for sure that this podcast was going to begin on a somber note. I mentioned that earlier. I thought for sure that I'd have to call the production company, tell them to go get some funeral music. I thought for sure that we would be having a very different conversation today because the college football playoff committee, historically, not in love with the Big 12. Even when Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and Lincoln Riley and that Oklahoma team just was winning games, rolling over teams in the Big 12, the playoff committee wasn't really impressed by what they were bringing to the table. Playoff committee was saying, well, you won the Big 12, but we don't really care. You're still a four seed. You're still a three seed. Even undefeated seasons, keeping them outside that top two. So I thought with a loss in the Big 12 championship, granted, it was a loss to a top 10 team, I thought for sure that they would knock TCU out. Because the other thing the college football playoff committee has not been shy about doing it's giving a little bit of SEC biased. Now, I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit on a podcast microphone or sit in front of a camera and tell you that the ESPN machine, the Mickey Mouse machine, is all in on the SEC. I'll let you be the judge of that. SEC has gotten teams, two teams in the playoffs. There's four spots, and the SEC takes up half the room at the table almost half the time that we've had this playoff uh, 
format. Now, luckily, with the 12 teams coming up in a couple years, maybe next year, we're not going to have that problem. I don't think six SEC teams are going to get into the playoffs. At least I hope not. But normally what we see is the SEC gets a little bit of a bias. We knew Oklahoma, or we knew uh, Alabama was at six in the last polls. A loss, I thought for sure TCU would drop from three to six, and that they would move Ohio State up, and they would move Alabama up. Now, luckily, a two-loss Alabama did not get in the college football playoffs. Thank God, because I love the TCU campus, and I love Fort Worth, and I think that if they would have done that, there would have been riots in the street. Okay, there would have been problems all across Twitter kingdoms, across uh, the nation. The Big 12 would have had a couple of choice words, I think, for uh, the college football playoff committee. But luckily enough, TCU, even after a 31-28 loss, is in the playoffs. Now, I'm not going to focus too much on this game. I do want to mention that I did get the score right. Okay, if you were playing the uh, cards, you know I don't know if you guys do Super Bowl cards. If you do the Super Bowl cards where you can buy the squares and you guess the score, I guess the right score. Talked to our guy Peter last week, and I said I thought it was going to be 31-28. I thought it was going to be a field goal game, but I guess TCU was going to win. I guess TCU was going to win. I thought that the, I thought our team, the Frogs, I thought they would get it done, but went to overtime and in overtime. Anything can happen. I still firmly believe that the better team lost that game. I think the better team lost that game, and I think in large part, in large part, it came to the play calling. And I know. I'm an armchair quarterback. I'm a Monday morning quarterback. You watched the game as closely as I did. And one play call in a four-quarter game, and a four-and-a-half-quarter game when you talk about overtime, it does not decide the game. Okay, I've always been a fan of this. I've always thought this. That one play call at the end of the game does not decide the game. There are hours of gameplay before then. There are, in a lot of cases, tens of plays before then. One play does not decide the game. But taking the ball out of Max Duggan's hands in that situation is going to be the thing that's going to haunt Sonny Dykes, I think, for at least a couple nights. Now, on the other side of this thing, on the other side of the coin, I do not think that a win in the Big 12 championship would have propelled TCU ahead of Michigan. I think that the one and two seeds were firmly secure. Michigan's win against Ohio State all but guaranteed them a spot in the playoffs, win, lose, or draw the Big 10. I do not think that a win in overtime was going to propel TCU over Michigan. I'm very much happy that the loss <laughs> did not drop them out of the playoffs. But losing that game, I'm hoping that that is going to be some game film that does not get burned. I know a lot of coaches, I've talked to a bunch of them, a lot of coaches across the nation, sometimes they used to burn the film when it was on film. Now they might throw it in the trash can, might put it into the uh, – the old recycle folder on the desktop. They're not going to look at the game film. My hope is that this coaching staff does watch it. Because Kansas State came into this game as one of the best running teams in the country, one of the best running teams in college area now the Big 12. Michigan is going to want to do that. The way that Michigan beat Ohio State was throwing the ball. The reason that they were able to beat Ohio State that way was 
because Ohio State took the run away from them. And I think the TCU secondary is better than Ohio State's. I know that's might be going on a limb here. I think that their defense was better than Ohio State, especially in the back end. If they can stop the run game, I like their chances. I do. But again, we're not going to get too much into uh, the matchup with Michigan in this podcast. Uh, Kansas State, hats off to them. This is a team that blew a huge lead the last time these two teams played that gave up 28 unanswered points the last time TCU uh, showed up. The fact that they were able to hold on to get this win and kick a field goal to win this in overtime, it says a lot about this program. I'm a big climbing fan. I think that this is going to be a program that is going to be the thorn in TCU's side for the next couple years. With all that said... Boy, did that piss me off that loss. Boy, did that piss me off that loss. Because Kansas State, I have a lot of people who were telling me that this was the best team in the Big 12 before the season. Now, I didn't buy it. Now they have the conference championship. TCU has to win a game in the playoffs so that this conference championship does not hold over their head. Because in the current system in college football, the current system that we have built, I'm hoping that conference championships matter less and less and that playoff trophies matter more and more. And if TCU can get a playoff trophy in the case, then I think losing this uh, Big 12 championship will sting a lot less. All right. We're recording this podcast on Monday night right after the Heisman finalists were named. So there's a lot of Heisman finalists. They invited a lot more guys to New York than I thought they would. It's it's a two-horse race. It's between Caleb Williams... And Max Duggan. Now, Mad Max, our guy, we've been riding for this guy since day one. He was not even on the board to start the season. If you wanted to bet on him to win the Heisman Trophy, you couldn't. That is the type of come up this kid's had. That's the type of season this guy's had. Now, I also want to make this a point. 251 passing yards, a TD, 110 rushing yards, and a touchdown in that game against Kansas State. And of everybody on the team, a loss is a blemish, okay? TCU has one of them. They have one beauty mark on a relatively pristine relatively pristine resume, okay? This would be like if you had uh, the Statue of David and you chopped off its nose. Okay, that, that's what this, uh, this loss to Kansas State is. Is it a blemish? Yes. Is it a huge blemish? Some might argue, yes, I personally think that you can live without a dose. Uh, But the fact that Duggan has had the type of game that he had in that Big 12 loss and the way that he acted after it. Now, you saw Robert Griffin III. uh, He posted a video or a photo, I should say, on Twitter of uh, Duggan at the podium crying. Personally, I thought it was kind of gauche, but he was giving it our guy his flowers. He was saying that, you know, the, the way that he acted after the game, you, you'd like to see competitors crying after a loss. It shows that they have, like, emotional ties. It shows that they left everything on the field. Famously, Tim Tebow, a guy that was very emotional after losses at Florida. Now, 10 years later, he kind of gets clowned for it. At the time, we thought, wow, that's a real, it's a real guy that cares about winning. He cares about his team's success. He cares about what his teammates feel, okay? I think RG3 was trying to kind of show that on Twitter. It did not uh, resonate with everybody, including Caleb Williams, who cried after their loss to Utah, who quote-tweeted Robert Griffin and said, LOL. Now, 
Caleb Williams in the loss, the blowout loss to Utah in the Pac-12 championship to a former, uh, should be, I just want to throw this in here, former University of Texas quarterback Cam Rising, sidebar. If you keep paying attention to the amount of quarterbacks who've been to Austin who then leave the 40 acres because they don't like it there. I just want to put that out there. A lot of quarterbacks go into the University of Texas. A lot of quarterbacks leave and then have success other places. Just a little bit of a, a, a note, something to keep your eye on as the transfer portal opens up again. So Caleb Williams in that blowout loss to Utah, 363 yards, three touchdowns on the season, 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns, 372 rushing yards, 10 TDs. So 47 total touchdowns for Caleb Williams. Now, Williams in that loss, did he look emotional? Sure. Was he crying? Sure. Did he have a type of game that can win you a game against Utah? Look, when your defense isn't showing up and you're a Heisman candidate, especially when you're the Heisman front runner, and he is a huge favorite in Vegas to win this award. Huge favorite in Vegas to win this award. When you are that type of player, I think there comes some expectations. I think there comes the you cannot turn the ball over. I think there comes a type of move the chains no matter how you can do it. Get it done on the ground. Get it done in the air. You know He can't catch the ball for his receivers. His receivers drop plenty of passes. But there were some overthrows. There were some underthrows. There were some times where he needed to get the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker in that Utah loss. And this is the big thing to me. Now, you go back and you look at the Heisman winners. And I don't want to say that every Heisman winner is some sort of grade A perfect child. Okay? There are some kids in the back of the classroom who are shooting spitballs. Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy. Okay? But when, for the most part, for the most part, the Heisman Trophy winner has been a pretty good guy. Right? Jameis Winston stole some crab legs. Cam Newton stole a laptop. For the most part, Joe Burrow, Tim Tebow, for the most part, when you think about these guys that win this award, they care about team success, sure. They care about individual success if it helps the team. Kayla Williams, to me, feels more and more and more like the kid in the back of the classroom shooting spitballs. And I think his team losing in the Pac-12 championship game after losing to Utah earlier in the season... We've had quarterbacks win this award that were not national champions. We've won, we've had quarterbacks win this award that didn't get their team to the playoffs. Like Lamar Jackson had an incredible season at Louisville. That Louisville team, if I remember correctly, had like two or three losses. Okay, so you don't need to have a perfect team record to win this award. And Caleb Williams and USC, they clearly do not have that. This is the part that I think separates Max and Caleb. And this is the thing that I, I think the Heisman Trophy committee might take a little bit of um, note of. Okay, Now, if you remember, two weeks ago, when USC and Notre Dame were playing, uh, Caleb Williams wrote on his fingernails, F Notre Dame. Okay, well, Oh, that's fine. Against Utah, wrote F Utah on his fingernails. Now, University of uh, <laughs> Utah made some fun about that on, on uh, social media, which... 
I agree with. I loved it. I think that if you're going to try to clown a program, the program deserves to clown you right back. And we are a very appreciative of social media teams over here on the Hypnotoad podcast. Those those guys and gals work way too hard, get way too much uh, heat uh, <laughs> when they have no bearing on team success. So when you come up with something clever, right? When you come up with something clever back to back against USC, like Utah posted, I like that. I I find that funny. But I don't think the Heisman Trophy Committee finds it funny. I don't think the Heisman Trophy Committee doesn't likes a quarterback writing on his fingernails. I'm not saying that they don't like somebody painting their fingernails. I just don't think they like profanity on the fingernails. I think that there's levels to this. I think there's levels of professionalism. The Heisman Trophy, at one point, was supposed to be for the best quarterback, uh, or not the best quarterback, the best player in college football. And then it became more of like the best player... And then there's like levels of integrity, right? Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, probably not the most, uh, probably not the highest on the list of guys that you're taking to show off as like integrity character. But there are a bunch that have that. There are a bunch of quarterbacks that have that. Bryce Young, great kid, right? Great kid. Caleb Williams. Starting to come off not as that. And Max Duggan is. And that's where I'm trying to go with this. Is that right now, Max is a plus 2,000. Plus 2,000 to win this award. Caleb Williams, the heavy favorite, 2,500. 2,500 favorite to win the Heisman Trophy on December 10th. Told you his numbers this season, 47 total touchdowns. Max is this season 3,300 yards passing, 400 yards rushing, 36 total touchdowns, 30 passing, 6 rushing. And like I'm saying, right? Like, I think Caleb Williams is going to win this award. I think that Max getting invited is a huge deal for the university. I think Max getting invited is a huge deal for recruiting. I think Sonny Dykes has done a great job with the development, even though he's not the quarterback coach, I think that he's done a good job developing quarterbacks, and I can't imagine that the first year that Sonny Dykes is there, that Max having this type of season says something about like what Sonny Dykes does to help quarterbacks. I want to go back and look at the last time a USC quarterback won the Heisman. It was Matt Leiner in 2004. 3,300 yards, 33 TDs. They also won the national championship. USC is not going to do that this year. Bryce Young, the last quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. That was last year. 4,800 yards, 47 touchdown passes. 47 touchdown passes. Bryce Young last year had more passing TDs, or I should say the same amount of passing TDs as Caleb Williams has for total TDs. So this is not the best Heisman Trophy winner of all time. This is barely the best Heisman Trophy winner of the last five years. I don't I don't think he is the best Heisman Trophy winner of the last five years. I don't even think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback this season. I just don't. I'd rather have Max. That's my hot take. I'd rather if you if you said give me one quarterback to win me a playoff game, I'm really glad that we have our guy on the sideline and not somebody that uh, paints profanity on his fingernails. And we'll see what happens. Like I said, betting favorites Caleb Williams. I think Caleb will win it from everything I've read, everything I've seen. But damn, Mad Max had an incredible season. Goes down in the history books as one of the best TCU quarterbacks of all time, and. Uh, 
if they can get the job done against Michigan, this might be the best team of all time. I really believe that. I think that if this team gets it done against Michigan, that we'll be talking about this TCU team playing the national championship as one of, if not the best TCU team of all time. That's going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please share it with your friends, with your family, everybody else, because, look, we're doing a lot of cool things over here, and uh, you guys help us build that uh, reputation, build that listening ship, that audience, and uh, I love you for it. Thanks so much.